Joseph. I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Hmm. How are you? Um, borderline exhausted, but good. How are you? Okay. You're in France. I'm in Cannes, France. Yes. Uh, how has it been so far? I think we'll save until the end your thoughts on films and such, but just in general. How was your flight there and checking in? Uh, the flight there was here was smooth. Uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, I, I flew through Charles de Gaulle. God, the organization at that airport is interesting, uh, which I've been to before. But uh, yeah, it was it was smooth getting here. And it's just been scheduling has been intense to fit everything in oh well we'll keep it brief because what time is it where you are it's 1 a.m okay but i've rarely gotten to bed before two and we have to get up by 7 a.m to book tickets you know even for press screenings uh except i don't have to do that tomorrow but i do have an early screening hmm well, I don't have much. Uh, I did watch the the new The Color Purple trailer. I saw that that dropped. I did not watch it. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for it. The film, I never... So the film from 1984? I think 85. 85? Yeah, I mean, that had a huge impact on me. And then in 2007, no, 2000, yeah, 2007, I went to go see the Broadway production twice with Fantasia uh, as the star. And that was really good. And now this movie, the, I mean, I'm very excited for it. The trailer looks really good. It's sort of like a reimagining of the story yeah. we're used to. So, yeah. And I didn't read anything about it. Like I knew it was happening because Fantasia was talking about it um, over a year ago. But I didn't realize um, Halle Bailey's in it. Mm. Yeah. Who well, you just saw in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Which, how was that? I haven't watched the review yet. Uh... It was okay, but I didn't, I mean, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, I didn't really care for those films. Um, so I guess of the four, The Little Mermaid was the most tolerable to me. It's just not my kind of story. It's not my kind of, like the cartoons really weren't a big part of my childhood, even though I'm the prime age for that. Um, well, maybe not. I'm kind of a little older than the prime age, maybe. But yeah, the cartoons really weren't a big part of my upbringing. I didn't care for the live action versions that came out. I thought Halle Bailey was the best part of it. But the story is, I didn't realize her character becomes mute mm -hmm. yeah. halfway through. So... You listen to that goddamn song, uh, the, the Ursula the Sea Witch song she says in it about taking her voice. 
Well, I thought she meant like she can't sing. Not that she's mute. And I don't, the guy playing Prince Eric, I thought was very like, he could have been anyone. Like he's, he, there's just nothing about him that I thought was like charming or magnetic. Like he's a handsome enough guy, but he I mean, he just wasn't, not, nothing about him uh, I, I found appealing and I didn't care for his singing voice. Like he can sing, but I didn't. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And then Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. I think that character is fun. It wasn't what I was expecting. Mm. I I would have assumed it would have been like a like a bigger, more grotesque thing. It just looks like Melissa McCarthy, you know, like an, a regular lady with a, like a regular size lady, like I don't know, like a size twelve or fourteen. I mean, she's like a normal looking lady with bad makeup and then computer generated tentacles. It just I don't know. It seemed like a good opportunity to do something really over the top. And yeah, she's not at all. I mean, the, the there are laughs in the movie. Like people in the audience were laughing. Um, I saw older women, like there were several black women who are maybe like in their late twenties sitting in front of me and they were crying when the first time we hear Halle Bailey sing. So, I mean, I could feel that. Um, and she is so good. Like her her singing ability, she's so cute. She's beautiful. So that resonated with me, but, and I don't know what's different about the cartoon versus the live action movies. So, but yeah, I mean, I guess I feel the same way I felt about the other three I mentioned. Like, I'm not quite sure why I needed them because they definitely don't outshine the cartoon. But it's worth the watch for Ms. Bailey, for sure. I'll have uh, to catch up back. Yeah. We did get a question about why do, and, and it's appropriate since we're not together, why do we travel solo so much? Um, well, I was thinking about it because I feel like compared to the average like married couple, we spend way more time together than like like the average man and woman or, or married, you know, like traditional idea of like a married couple. I feel like we spend more time together than an average couple because we both work from home and then we work together. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that would be, you know, like my, my, my first thought to keep that in mind. <laughs> in asking uh -huh. the question because we do spend a lot of time together mm -hmm. and I don't want to do everything you do and you don't want to do everything I do so I mean that makes it sound negative I, I just don't I don't like I don't even like seeing couples like I get annoyed seeing couples walk down the street holding hands like or like I can't yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yep, you do. Uh, well, keep in mind that ninety-five percent of my travel—that's you know—is it, technically I'm working. It's I'm watching films all day long, and then I have to write about them. So there's really not time. Because you you've been to uh, Berlin with me. You've been to Poland. 
uh, like the expectation is that there's time spent in the theater and then I have to write about it because. Yeah, uh, I've been to the film festivals and I didn't necessarily, I enjoyed Toronto, Berlin and Warsaw, but yeah, you're watching movies the entire time. So then I'm just there, which is not as fun as it could be because then I'm kind of just waiting for you to finish and then like oh you have an hour here we can grab a lunch and then you know it's not fun for me I don't want to talk about these movies I didn't you know what I mean like I don't want to talk about movies in the first place and then <laughs> movies I haven't seen and there are so many of them and I'm kind of waiting around for you to finish so that I can't really do what I want to do it just doesn't really and that's a long time to be gone for me when I could do something else in my yes. own like in my own you know schedule um like logistically it also seems like a long time for us both to be gone at the same time um that often like sure. that would be a lot uh, but yeah in my mind i don't see it as like oh we spend so much time apart i feel like we spend a lot of time together <laughs> so well, it yeah. doesn't and not and not having children i mean you know it's it's also easier to do things like that but I often hear that comment, like, through, you know, through us making videos and podcasts, but also, like, in my personal life, through, like, at work, people are always very, even family members are always like, oh, you know, you went here by yourself, he went there by himself. It's like, he's not a vulnerable adult that <laughs> needs to have his hand held. And I also, you know, some things... I don't want to do and then it's like oh so he shouldn't do them because I don't want to do them or there are things that I would rather do alone because I just know that I can do it in my own way I don't have to there are certain things that I just think are easier and could be more enjoy I don't want to say more enjoyable but it, it's just easier like if I had to plan that both of us go and figure that out that makes it even more complicated but I think in general it, it, well, being married doesn't mean it, being married shouldn't mean the end of your autonomy, like completely. But um, you know, everybody has different definitions of or are searching for different things about what they want, and I think a lot of that has to do with social expectations. It, it goes the same even people that are single, like traveling alone or going to movies alone or eating alone. That's always seen as some kind of uh, a, a barren behavior and it's like it, it it's not it's you get one life and um you make it work for you yeah i don't relate to people saying like oh i've always wanted to do this or i've always wanted to try that but they're like waiting for someone else i'm like oh if i want to go do that i would just do it like i don't yeah. i don't want to wait to coordinate with other people and no i, I want to go eat like i want to go try that thing, restaurant tonight i'm just gonna go I'm not going to figure out who can come with me and then have to make reservations. And then the dinner's complicated because it's a long wait and <laughs> split the bill. And I don't need to do all that. I could just go. You know, doing things on your own as a married person, it, it's also good to strength, to get away from, you know, some of those codependent things that happen between couples. And not that I'm saying we have a complete mastery of that, but um you know, the, the, the kind of that symbiotic thing that happens. And it's like, you, uh, it's good to have time apart 
as well. I, I don't know. It, no, I agree. And uh, like, again, I feel like people need to keep in mind that we do spend a lot of time together. So I think, I think maybe for the average person who like they both work and they're away from the house and you know like the, the actual amount of time that the two people get to spend together and do things together is far less than us so I think when you put that into the equation the fact that I might go here for a weekend or you go there for a couple weeks is not like if you did the math and broke down the hours we spend a lot of time together <laughs> But I know it, it, it sounds like I think it's annoying or bad. I don't. I just, everyone can, like you already said, can define their relationship the way they want to and f f figure things out in their own way. And I think people do need to explore things in their own way. But also, I, I don't see the harm in just being like, oh, I'm going to go here and do this for whatever amount of time. I don't think that's like a life-changing thing that has to redefine who we are like i mean i don't know it, it just seems odd to me that like a like a couple would be together and like one would be upset that the other wants to you know take a weekend trip somewhere like that that that, that it would be as reby jackson says devastational like i can't relate to that but i can't we, relate to your, i can't relate to your volvo <laughs> And I, don't, I didn't buy these shoes at an Aldo, or I don't know what she says. <laughs> That's a Nicki Minaj quote. Uh, films released we didn't cover. Buddy Games, Spring Awakening. Oh, apparently that's a sequel. Uh, and I didn't see the original, but it looks terrible. Josh Duhamel and Nick Swardsden, uh, directed by Gabriel McKinley and Rachel Thole. Thole. Oh. We didn't We didn't watch it. Next, the cow who sang a song into the future. Uh, this was at Sundance 2022, and I didn't watch it there, and we didn't make time for it. Directed by Francisco Allegria. Uh, it sounded interesting, but uh, again, time is limited. The Night of the Twelfth. Uh, I saw this at Cannes 2022, exactly a year ago. Uh, directed by Dominic Mall, who used to be a director I was really excited about. I think he did something called Lemming with Charlotte Rampling and Gainsbourg uh, and Laurent Lucas in like 2004. Um, it's okay. It's kind of a police procedural about a serial killer. Um, I remember there was a big snafu with the premiere of the screening in the WC theater because the first 10 minutes played without English subtitles and the audience went into a mini revolt. But oh. that is worth watching. Um, I think you you might like that film, but anyway. Huh. Lastly, Outpost. A horror film directed by Joe Latrulio, you know, from Reno 911. Um, Which one is he? That little fellow with the big eyes. Oh, I would be interested just off of that. Well, I sent you this list of things to the, to see before I left. So, you know. Wow. I'm very busy as well. Mm -hmm. Projects of interest, JFK. Uh, I think this was actually announced before I left for Cannes. But um, yeah, David Mamet is directing a JFK film. And Al Pacino, Shia LaBeouf, Courtney Love, and Viggo Mortensen are in the cast. So that sounds tray interesting to me uh and of course a ton of projects have been announced um over the past week that i have not 
had a chance to look up things about, but uh, yeah. Okay. So movies we watched for fun. You saw Samson and Delilah. Yeah. The, the, I haven't had a lot of time for fun this week. Uh, so Samson and Delilah is Warwick Thornton's, I think, yeah, his debut film because it won the Camera Door Can in 2009 uh, about a, a pair of Aboriginal teens. That's kind of a grueling film to watch uh, because I thought I was going to see his latest film with Kate Blanchett, but I didn't even end up, my schedule shifted while I was here and I didn't even get to see The New Boy, his new film, uh, which is fine. I'll see it eventually. But that is that was interesting. The Beasts? The Beast, uh, this was, I think, a Cannes 2022 film I missed a year ago, and it was available on my Air France flights, and I watched it starring uh, Denis, Denis Menochet and Marina Foy, a French couple that sets up a little farm for themselves in the Spanish community, and uh, the husband doesn't get along with the locals, and he gets murdered. Uh, interesting. I, I, For the most part, I liked it. Skirt Day. And this was my other plane film. Uh, I This came out in 2008, I want to say, and stars Isabella Johnny, who you know I'm a fan of, and notably it was the first film that she had been in in something like five years. And just not, and I, I hated it. I thought it was really stupid. Uh, it's, about a drama, it's about a drama teacher played by Isabella Johnny who's got like these typical inner city style school kids that are all, you know, just kind of out of control and she's trying to teach them Moliere one of them has a gun in his bag and that she somehow gets a hold of and then holds the class hostage while she continues to teach them about Moliere because that's the only way that she can have their attention and there's this whole oh. sub the the skirt day title is because she's a teacher that still wears a skirt which is considered old-fashioned but yet she gets called a whore for it so she one of the demands uh of the uh, negotiators that she demands that France adapt uh, uh, a skirt day where girls can wear skirts whether they want or not and not be called whores. It was painfully stupid, I thought. Oh, yeah, that, well, you did it. Anyway. I, I watched a few things. I watched for the hundredth time, uh, Tu Wong Fu. <laughs> We need to do, well, we might get invited to do a podcast uh, this summer where this might be a good choice, I, I think. But if if we don't, um, I would make a video about it. Mm -hmm. Classique. I, I also um, could rewatch re Adventures Queen, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. It's been a minute. I have a hard time with that one because the tone is so different. Like it's the, it's a little more heartbreaking and... So, of course. Like, I don't think it's a fun movie, but then you get Terrence Stamp as Bernice. Yeah. <laughs> but Chu Wang Fu is one of my favorites. I know it's not a masterpiece, but I think it, 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 if I tried to write down every quote I think is funny, I, I would have pages of lines. Tamago, Malaga. <laughs> I also, for some reason, I don't know what I was going through, but I watched Hostels 1, 2, and 3 back-to-back. -back. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Uh, no, I wouldn't recommend watching them uh, individually across the span of time. But Well, so I think 
the first two were directed by Eli Roth, and the third one, I believe, was like like VOD or whatever. It's from 2011. Um, I I don't know if maybe I'm I, I've I mean as, as every day goes by, I become more dead inside. So I don't know if I'm just not affected by it, but I didn't think it was that extreme. Like <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, no, but, when, uh, the first one was 2005. Don't you remember when the first one came out, people were like, this is the most gruesome thing you've ever seen. Oh yeah, people were gooped, I remember. Um, but, and then Hostel 2, of course, that that's around the time like torture porn really became a term that was bandied about. And I think that I've seen a lot worse uh, troubling films uh, that are foreign language uh, than those those movies, but Hostel Part Two is definitely more extreme. I remember what the one scene I remember is the ending where the one guy's penis gets cut off and then fed to a dog. I do have to say though, that first movie made me afraid to travel to Eastern Europe. Uh, <laughs> and I was reading about sort of the controversy about that and sort of the stereotype about eastern europe and how it did affect tourism but i think the first and the second one they work well together um although they bring back the one character who survives from the first one they bring him back in the second one and he dies in the first scene so i didn't i, I don't know i i feel like they could have just left his ass out of it but the third one it's not a very good movie, but I did think the story was interesting. It's set in Vegas, and it has some pretty gruesome scenes. So I was surprised at the quality of it. Um, the writing's terrible, and there are weird plot holes, but I would be lying if I said I wouldn't see, like, you know, because I think the organization in Hostels called, like, the Elite Fighting Club, I believe, I think maybe like if there were a 2023 version and maybe they called it that instead, so it could be like its own thing. I would be here for that. Okay. Uh, I also watched a documentary called Sex Magic. About Aleister Crowley? No. Okay. Um, It's... <laughs> I'm just going to read the quick synopsis. Heartbroken after his beloved leaves due to his polyamorous lifestyle, Baba Dez, a sacred sexual healer, manifests her back by doing sex magic with other women. So it's a documentary about this guy who created a like retreat where he helps women understand their bodies like through sex. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it because it's just like the kind of bullshit people get into and then the way they try to mask it as something else when it's really like because it's like a spiritual situation i think they're exempt from paying taxes so clearly it's like for financial things and then you have this one man with all these women and then there are men who come to the retreat to explore sexuality with these women it all feels like Brothel. How gay men go to the bathhouse to explore sexuality. Kind of. And then, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's interesting and groundbreaking, but it's just funny to watch. Um, and then also this man is like 
kind of appealing because he's he also talks about gender and he kind of I mean, he doesn't read as not being a guy and he doesn't identify as not being a man, but he also seems very in tune with like his, he talks about having, like being in tune with his feminine and masculine energy. So I could see how some of these women or all of these women who get roped into this uh, find him appealing. Lastly, I watched a BET Plus original movie called Bitch Ass. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I have to say about these BT Plus originals, the stories themselves, I think, are interesting. Like, these are the kind of stories I'd be into. Like, oh, a lady went to jail for shooting her boyfriend, and then when she gets out, she becomes a real estate agent, and he's trying to kill. Like, like I, I, like I like that kind of shit, but the acting is always the worst. Like, I don't understand... Well, it's like a lot of Lifetime movies, too. It's like, well, the premise is compelling, but uh, the execution is wanting. The reason I watched this one was the title caught my attention, but also Tony Todd is in it from Candyman. He bookends the, 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 the movie. He sort of tells the story of, he's saying that this movie is about the first Black serial killer who wore a mask. Mm-hmm. And that the backstory of this killer is kind of like, I mean, it's like a lot of things where the mother is overbearing. In this case, this is grandmother. She was overbearing. And so she drove him to be a homicidal maniac. But the the basic story is that there's a gang, like a street gang. And part of their initiation of the new members is they have to go break into this house and steal some stuff, not knowing that even though everyone in the neighborhood knows that that's the legend of the house is that there's a crazy serial killer and every year on a certain date he goes on a killing spree so of course these people go and they have to contend with the killer but it had a lot of really interesting and fun ideas it's not the worst thing you've seen it's just that the horrible acting makes it laughable but Anyway, I'm just talking about it because I watched it and we have a podcast where we talk about the things we watched. Uh, Moving on, there are a couple of entries in the obituary section. Yeah. Um, Are you familiar with Ray Stevenson? Yes, I believe I am. He's in something we want. Oh, he's an RRR. um, He's an Irish actor. Yes. He passed um, away. God, uh, we just did something else with him, though. Um, did? Uh, wasn't that old. Well, he's in Thor. He's in the Divergent series. Um, he's in, in more than one Thor movie. Maybe it was RRR. Yeah, he's in Ragnarok. Um, oh, he's the, isn't he like the leader of the British military in RRR? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He passed. Um, also, of course, Jim Brown passed. Yeah. I know I I know who he is, and I know that he was famous first for playing football, but then he also uh had a pretty extensive acting career. Yeah, was uh had a series of black exploitation films. I I put together a top five list in, in the notes. Yes, and then also um, he 
was active in the civil rights movement, so I have to mention that. But yeah, you came up with a list of um, films you like of his, so you can go ahead. Uh, Dirty Dozen, of course. Uh, I'm going to get you, Sekka. Black Gun, A Hundred Rifles with Raquel and uh, Burt Reynolds, which I just watched for the first time, where there was a groundbreaking sex scene between him and Raquel. And um, is that five? Yeah, but as an honorable mention, original gangsters from 1996, uh, which is kind of a black exploitation reboot that Larry Cohen directed, that I think came together because of Jim Brown, and you you have all of those people in there like Ron O'Neill and um, Pam Greer. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that's a good film, but it's a lot of fun if you like any of those people. Hmm. So uh, yeah, he's gone. All right. So we don't have a secret movie because there's no time for that. So we can talk about can and the things you've seen, maybe like your favorite thing, the worst thing you've seen, anything outrageous. Uh, well, of course, with this ticketing system, there was a major snafu on the first official day uh, with the El Motivar short film at the Lumiere, they overbooked the tickets. And I think they had to turn away like a hundred press members that had tickets. And some of them were notable people. So it was a big upset. Uh, Trying to see that movie? I, I saw it because they, when any big fuck up like that happens, then of course they have additional screenings and I caught one of them uh, all that rig and roll for a half hour short uh, which was really good and I did really like it it's Ethan Hawke and um oh god my mind is oh and Pedro Pascal is a pair of gay cowboys that are reunited oh and I don't understand why it just wasn't a feature-length film because it's like clearly everybody that's involved is having a lot of fun it's very pulpy like that should have just been a feature but what do I know but it was very enjoyable. What was the what? What's the one film you were looking most forward to? Uh, probably the Zone of Interest. Who's in that? Uh, Sandra Hewler has a a minor role, but it's notable because it's the latest film from Jonathan Glazer, who hasn't. It's only his fourth film in you know twenty plus years of filmmaking, and um, his last film was Under the Skin, which is a masterpiece. A decade ago uh so i read this book in 2018 and it's a very loose adaptation and i actually saw it twice while i've been here uh and i think i'd be very surprised if it didn't win but it's a very distressing uh film because uh, it's, it's about the commander of auschwitz uh and it's not it's not really generated by a plot uh per se it's I think the intention is to kind of like Hannah Arendt's quote about the banality of evil is uh, we're just watching these people that somehow were involved with letting this happen. And I guess trying to understand, but uh, it, it's, I, I think it, it's, to me, it's a horror film. Like this is something to the, all these people that get upset about the hostile films. Like this is something that settles in my bones and makes me feel icky. Uh, so to say that I like it is strange because it's a very unlikable thing, uh, but but also as a as, as a piece of filmmaking and what it's doing and the choices it's making, I think are kind of unforgettable. But yeah, 
What else have you seen that you really liked? I loved, loved, fucking loved the new Todd Haynes film, which I feel like is the type of film that is made just for me. <laughs> uh, it's basically brushing off the Mary Kay Letourneau story in an interesting way as Julianne Moore is playing that type of woman. And uh, 25 years later, uh, a film is going to be made about her story. And Natalie Portman plays this younger woman that uh, is researching the role. So spends like a week with Julianne Moore and her family. Uh, and it is, it's, I, my review is already out for it, but I, it's like if Brian De Palma was trying to remake Douglas Sirk film instead of Hitchcock. And the score is a lot of fun. And Natalie Portman, I think is really good. Julianne Moore is great. Uh, the guy that is playing, cause you know, like with Mary Kay Letourneau, she ended up marrying that kid that she had sex with as a minor and they had a family together. So uh, it's very, they're also at the precipice of, he has 18 year old twins with her and they're about to graduate from high school, i.e. the year that he impregnated her and how his life kind of stopped in its tracks in a lot of ways. And uh, so it's 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 over the top and kitschy and really funny. And then it also has these moments of, you feel really bad for this guy who's starting to question these things. Like maybe I really didn't have the agency to make this choice as a 13 year old to want to be with this woman. And maybe I was manipulated and uh, I, I don't know. I, I really, really liked it. Uh, since I'm sure we'll make a video of like your, the best and worst, uh, I don't want to say too much, but um, is there anything you just couldn't stand? Yeah. Right. Uh, right. As I got out of here, I I'm probably in the minority in this, but I, loathed the new Michelle Gondley film. I, I just, I thought it was twee. I thought it was uh, ugh, miserable to sit through. And it seemed like the rest of the audience did not feel that way. Uh, but I don't know. I noticed like straight women. I, I, I was at a Pierre Nini, who's the star of the film. It was at Colcoa a few years ago where he, I forget the name of it, where he plays a man who steals another man's book and publishes it under his own name. But I remember at that screening, all these women fawning over like how hot they think Pierre Nini is. And I, I think he was having that same effect on these women that were just laughing and I just didn't like it. Um, I'm trying, there was another film called The Other Lawrence, which I really didn't like. Uh, something, Black Flies, I think is a big miss with Ty Sheridan and Sean Penn, but there were things that I did like about it but I, I it this the screenwriters think that the audiences are must be complete morons because that the, yeah uh what else did i see i i wasn't a fan of firebrand with uh, alicia vikander as uh, catherine parr the sixth wife of henry the eighth and i just read that book which i also didn't like the book but uh well, we can we, we can save your full list for the video i was just hoping for one you didn't like oh sorry well you know um but uh is there anything else you'd like to say about cam when you still have like four more days left yeah um tuesday wednesday thursday friday yeah mm -hmm. 
And I probably, I'm 98% sure I will probably, again, have review coverage for every single competition film, uh, one of which I wrote for our site. Yeah, I posted that one. And then for everything else, people can look at ioncinema.com. I'll probably, I'm projected to watch between like 60 to 65-ish films. And uh, I'll probably have coverage. People ask why we don't travel. I don't go to these festivals for that reason. <laughs> it's it's not enjoyable at all to witness you do all of that. It's no. <laughs> um, it's difficult to hear about, uh, but I'm glad you enjoy it and people enjoy your writing. And um, so what else would you like to say about Can? If if anything at all, you'll still just, have an opportunity when we make the video. That's true. We could probably save griping for then, but I, you know, yeah. it's it, it's really I, I don't really have an affinity for this place, uh, but it's you know it's really about the convergence of all these really, um, you know excellent pieces of filmmaking to see all in the same place, and at the same time, it's also. Uh, you know, when you watch, I mean, Friday was, I saw five films, four of them were back to back. And those last four equaled about 10 hours of straight sitting in the theater uh, with like a 10 to 15 minute turnaround. I mean, the shit gets grueling if you let it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just wish there was a different way for them to navigate some things and that's probably a programming issue but hmm. Hmm. so next week's so this one's coming out like two days late but uh, or a day late i guess but next week's uh you'll be back because you come back on saturday yeah yeah so then we'll should we, we should be back to our regularly scheduled programming mm -hmm. uh, do you have a quote for us no <laughs> i'm barely i'm barely sitting up you always have something to say i thought you might have something on deck <laughs> I, I, I do have something With to say and I said it. <laughs> no I, I that's said good it. you've done you've done remarkably well considering uh it is very i would be a, like passed out right now but um mm -hmm. we'll end it at that ta-ta Oh, <laughs> oh,